Welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schendel. Today we drink peyote and blast 2008 Speed Racer. <laughs> if you don't know what this movie's about, I'm going to just say, first off, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen this movie and you're worried about it being spoiled, we will spoil it in this fucking podcast. So beware, this is a spoiler alert. But if you are okay with us spoiling the shit out of a bad movie and you just want to listen to us make fun of this bullshit movie, which Paul actually likes for some reason, Oh, yeah. I think this movie is awesome. <laughs> Love it. Then come along with us, but don't worry about that loaded gun in the back seat. That has nothing to do with what we're going to do tonight. So just don't worry about it. If you do not know what this movie is about, I'm going to hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> A young driver, speed racer, aspires to be champion of the racing world with the help of his family and his high tech Mach 5 automobile. That's the that's the actual synopsis, dude. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, there's no other way in order to put this movie, but it's just like, I guess it would just, a better one for me would be like Speed Racer Races. That's what this movie is about. There is no action. <laughs> he goes fast. There's no other storyline other than that. There's a storyline. Come on. Come on, <laughs> We're gonna Don't we're gonna back. debate we're gonna debate that in a second. But <laughs> this movie, quote unquote, was released by Warner Brothers in association with Village Roadshow Pictures and produced through Silver Pictures. The most important thing you should know about all three of these companies is, is they released the Matrix trilogy between 1999 and 2003. This is important because this movie was made by the people that created that. More on that in a minute. Village Roadshow Pictures is a semi-studio in that all their content is released through Warner Brothers. To call them a production company isn't exactly accurate, even though that's sort of what they are. They're like a mini studio. But they produced The Joker last year, The Matrix Trilogy, Constantine, which is a god-awful but pretty entertaining and well-realized movie, also with Keanu Reeves, but gets horribly fucked up by Shia LaBeouf's involvement in the movie. They also did Deep Blue Sea, a classic Sam Jackson movie, which I absolutely love. <laughs> even though it's his from that movie He's what his, his, death. Fucking sharks or <laughs> his death scene at the end has some pretty good one-liners but to be honest with you it's been so long since i've seen it i couldn't tell you what that is yeah. i'm just i'm gonna have to circle back to that <laughs> they also released tim burton's horrifying charlie and the chocolate factory the oceans trilogy all of them including the all-female oceans eight the equalizer movies the sherlock holmes movies and a ton of other movies 117 to be exact basically if it's a franchise owned by Warner Brothers, Village Roadshow is involved. Silver Pictures is owned by Joel Silver, and they have produced a ton of classic action movies over the decades. Besides the Matrix movies, V for Vendetta, which everyone should rewatch and tell me that that's not the story of the Trump administration, <laughs> and, and the Sherlock Holmes movies, Silver Pictures has made such classics as Die Hard, Predator, Commando, Lethal Weapon, Executive Decision, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, one of my very, very favorite movies. They also gave us some real stinkers over the years that are truly terrifyingly bad, including Die Hard 2, Predator 2, Demolition Man, The Last Boy Scout. Demolition Man. Come on, come on. Back up. Back up. <laughs> George Clooney's bizarre Coen Brothers written mess known as Suburbicon, Ninja Assassin, 
Action Jackson with Carl Weathers, the ill-informed remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers known as Invasion, the terrible Sean Penn action picture known as The Gunman, and the absolute travesty that is Dungeons and Dragons in the year 2000 with <laughs> Jeremy Irons. <laughs> do, do you remember that movie, dude? I do. do. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I totally forgot about it until I was doing research on this movie, and I was like, oh, God, which one, no. Which one do you think is worse? Dungeons and Dragons or Mortal Kombat, the movie? Mortal Kombat's worse, yeah. by far. You're talking yeah. about Jean-Claude I mean, Van Damme? <laughs> I don't think he's in it. I don't think there's any A-listers in that. Oh, Street Fighter. Street Fighter was Jean-Claude yeah, yeah, yeah. Van Damme. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Mortal Kombat. Uh, but anyway, the producers to blame for this pile of shit are the usual company men that come along with either Warner Brothers or Village Roadshow Pictures, such as Bruce Berman, Michael Lambert, and David Lane Seltzer, but also a bunch of people not worth noting. The only people you need to know here are Grant Hill, Henning Mulfenter, the aforementioned Joel Silver, the Wachowskis, and Charlie Wobchek, or Wob- Wobchikin. Wobchikin? Wobchikin? <laughs> I don't know how to say that. W-O-E-B-C-K-E-N. That's some sort of Polish name that I don't know how to pronounce. But Grant Hill, Grant Hill is a weird producer. First off, he produced some classics and genuinely great movies from Terrence Malick, like The Thin Red Line, The Tree of Life, and A Hidden Life, all of which I am placing on the unimpeachable movies list with No Country, There Will Be Blood, and Assassination of Jesse James. He also has some really weird shit on his resume. Among those, there's Sniper with Tom Berenger, which I fucking (laughs) hate that movie. <laughs> Street Fighter with Jean Claude Van Damme, Titanic, and the Terrence Malick directed documentary duology known as Voyage of Time. The reason I put that in this list is that is a duo of feature length documentaries that Terrence Malick made after he did Tree of Life that saw limited release despite their high profile nature, that they were released in only one theater in LA and New York. For one week and subsequently buried. Seriously, you cannot find these movies anywhere. They're not available anywhere. I'm like, why the fuck would you do that? Like, Kate Blanchett voiced one for the narration and Brad Pitt did the other one. And I'm like, right there, you have at least some money that you can get off this fucking thing. Like, why the fuck isn't it on digital anywhere? You know, it's really weird. I don't know why they did that, but that's why I'm adding it to the list along with these other fucking movies. He also produced The Crow with Brandon Lee a classic in its own right, the absolute horror fest known as Jupiter Ascending, the the misunderstood but overly long Tom Tickware-directed Cloud Atlas with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry, as well as Lightning Jack, a fucking awful movie from 1994 with Paul Hogan back when he was in (laughs) movies. What a shameful day indeed. Henning Molfenter has produced 82 movies over the years. Amongst them, the best picture winner, The Pianist. Oh, wait, never mind. That Oscar went to fucking Chicago instead of The Pianist. (laughs) The brilliant movie Born Supremacy, The Prophetic V for Vendetta, The Underwatched, The Constant Gardener, Wes Anderson's Gorgeous, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Spielberg's Bridge of Spies, as well as Wes Anderson's wonderful movie Isle of Dogs. However, he has also produced Aliens vs. Predator. (laughs) PG-13, like seriously, what the fuck? You have two R-rated franchises, you make a PG-13 version of the fucking movie. Like, come on, man, seriously. I recall it was still pretty violent, but I mean, it wasn't up to the, the it standards. It wasn't in our ratings. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. You can in still R-ratings. get a lot. You can get away with a lot in a PG thirteen, apparently. 
Well, especially with like creatures like that, because it's like slime rather than blood and gore flying around, you can get away with a lot more because of that. But the moment that you have somebody's head or I'm sorry, spine being ripped out by the predator, that's an R rating right there. Yeah. And that's also badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he also did the bizarre remake of Around the World in 80 Days with Jackie Chan and Arnold, which is a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> The video game adaptation disaster with The Rock known as Doom, which I fucking hate that movie as well. Aeon Flux, the bizarre English-speaking Nazi flick known as Valkyrie. George Clooney's terrible wartime comedy The Monuments Men, the god-awful remake of Point Break, as well as Mute, an unbelievably great script by the director of Moon that Netflix fucked up in 2018. (laughs) Seriously, this script is amongst the best I've ever read of all the scripts that I've read. And to see it get shit on and fucked with as much as they did with Netflix, it's a true, true tragedy of film history. Joel Silver, one of our last producers, has, of course, produced a bunch of films we just mentioned, as well as the hilarious and unfairly reviewed mystery comedy known as The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I fucking love that movie. If you haven't seen that, man, if you haven't seen it, go out and watch it. The atmospheric movie The Book of Eli, shout out New Mexico Film, and of course, Splice, a fucking bizarre mix of sci-fi, body horror, erotic thriller, and regular horror film that gets lost in its own bullshit. He also gave us some really unequivocally bad movies like Brewster's Millions, Roadhouse, yes, that movie, Hudson Hawk, which is one of my all-time most hated movies, (laughs) Richie Rich, Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds, Swordfish, 13 Ghosts, Ghost Ship, Gothica with Halle Berry. Holy fuck, that movie's terrible. House of Wax with Paris Hilton, which has a great death scene with her getting impaled in the head that makes me laugh every goddamn time because she is a horrible excuse for a human being. Fred Claus, Bullet to the Head with Stallone, and an upcoming remake of Logan's Run because fuck it, why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> the Wachowskis, I'll get to in a second because their directing careers are their producing careers. Lastly, in the producers is Charlie Wobkuchikin, or however the fuck you say his name. I'm sorry, Charlie, I don't really give a shit in order to learn your name. <laughs> but Charlie has 96 credits in his career. But what you need to know is he produced Inglorious Bastards, the entertaining Hannah with Eric Bana and Suarez Ronan, and Casino Royale. Oh, and he produced the goddamn bizarre William Shakespeare biopic by the director of Independence Day, known as Anonymous, which is fucking awful. This movie stars a bunch of actors who were one time great, but have systematically worked to destroy their careers with movies like Speed Racer. The first is the lead, Emile Hurst. First of all, Emile's middle name is Davenport, which is an old-time name for a couch, something you fire your farts <laughs> into while watching some bullshit on television. As for his career, this dude is 35. He's been in a lot of misfires over the years, but he has some good work too. Amongst his good work is Sean Penn's brilliantly acted Into the Wild, the biopic of Chris McCandless, venturing into the wild before dying of exposure. This movie, while it has its faults, is flawlessly acted. I can't overstate that enough. Apparently that uh, bus from that movie, they left it. Apparently uh, a bunch of tourists were trying to venture out to it and 
got fucked up. And so they finally <laughs> decided to airlift it out of the wilderness just to prevent people from getting fucked up and calling in the rescue <laughs> service and everything like that. And so, I mean, I'm sure it was just like them having to spend oodles of money just to get like search and rescue yeah. in there every single time that they needed to get somebody out, which is not the best use of government funds, but you know, long term investment, I guess. Yeah. Emil is also great in Gus Van Sant's Oscar winner with Sean Penn and Josh Brolin, known as Milk. Again, wonderful acting and a message that becomes more timely as the years pass. He's also fantastic in the NC-17 rated Killer Joe, the movie that literally made me 180 on Matthew McConaughey and realized that the man is a force to be recognized. And it permanently scarred me when it comes to fried chicken. <laughs> Seriously, it fucked me up. But see this goddamn movie. It's on Hulu right now. It's fucking great. And they have the nc-17 rated version on him yeah, nice. fantastic yeah. i could mention how he is in peter berg's war film known as lone survivor shout out new mexico film but given that the movie is basically structured on function characters being torn to shreds his performance isn't worth noting it's too bad because the movie could have been better than what it was but last year he had the bright moment in tarantino's violent alternate history comedy once upon a time in hollywood but Emil's bad work is far more common. <laughs> From his cringeworthy start in The Girl Next Door to his work in Alpha Dog to his cashing a check performance in The Air I Breathe, Emil has given us some real stinkers over the years. The Darkest Hour almost sunk his career in that it was such a terrible movie and performance that it sank the box office. Oliver Stone's Savages only cemented that this man, which is not given direction in this movie, falls into bad habits and caricature rather than subtlety and nuance. Recently, he's been in the Mel Gibson starring Stinker, Force of Nature, which could be a contender for a future episode. It's so fucking bad. Beyond a Meal, this movie stars Susan Sarandon as his mom. Literally, her character's name is Mom. She doesn't have a name... <laughs> It's just mom. Susan is, of course, unforgettable in Ridley Scott's incredible Thelma and Louise. Dead Man Walking with Sean Penn, which she won an Oscar for. The underwatched sci-fi romance gem that is Robot and Frank. In the Valley of Ela. Shout out New Mexico Film again. 1994's The Little Women. Lorenzo's Oil. Robert Art Altman's incredible star-studded Hollywood comedy, The Player. Bill Durham, the bizarre lesbian vampire film by Tony Scott, known as <laughs> The Hunger, which is a fucking great movie. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, Janet, you fucking slut. And of course... <laughs> Rick and Morty, one of my personal favorites of hers where she plays family therapist Dr. Wong. Uh, racist yeah. name, by the way. <laughs> She's in over 161 titles spanning more than 50 years, and because of her longevity, she has had some real stinkers. Side note, uh, just a little sidebar here. If you haven't seen April in the Extraordinary World, I just started re-watching that movie on Netflix tonight. I hadn't seen it since it came out in 2016. It is a fucking brilliant, brilliant movie that Susan Sarandon voiced is the uh the english version for hmm. but i can't recommend it enough like if you're a fan of animated films or foreign films or just films in general this is genuinely a great movie you have to fucking see it that out of the way her bad movies include stepmom cradle will rock cats and dogs the banger sisters shall we dance mr woodcock which is a <laughs> fucking travesty of a movie leaves of grass the lovely bones snitch the last of robin hood zoolander 2 which i also hate and a movie that i 
worked on called the Jesus Rolls, the the Big Lebowski sequel that is just absolutely lambasted by the critics. All suck in their own way. The last actor I want to talk about is John Goodman. I the reason that I say that is that there's a few other actors in here that I would like to talk about, but I really don't give a shit enough in order to talk about them. John Goodman is great in all things Coen Brothers. He's perfect as the Cyclops Bible salesman in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, a personal favorite movie of mine that I quote far too often for it to be healthy. Barton Fink, Argo, Flight, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Inside Lewin Davis, Monsters, Inc., The Artist, Bringing Out the Dead, Raising Arizona, Patriot's Day, which I can't recommend enough. Have you seen it yet? It's on <laughs> Netflix. Just fucking watch it. The Righteous Gemstones on HBO, which is absolutely hilarious. And of course, my personal favorite, The Big Lebowski, are all examples of just how great this man is. Seriously, I'll always quote that movie. <laughs> until the day I die. Literally every day I quote that movie. However, he gave us also King Ralph, The Flintstones, and its horrifying sequel. Oh God, I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Arachnophobia, which I will shit on this movie all I goddamn want, Paul. (laughs) He was also in The Babe, Fallen with Denzel Washington, which is a very, very bad movie. Coyote Ugly, Todd Salon's shitty film known as Storytelling, which I fucking hate with a goddamn passion beyond the sea cars in the electric mist red state shout out fuck you kevin smith and transformers he's got some really terrible movies in his fucking career man but you know he's always acting so (laughs) yeah you know that's fine i'm not even going to talk about christina ritchie because her character her career is mostly terrible and polly lit the truffle shuffle kid just Fuck you, kid. That's right. I said fuck you to a kid. He's 25 now, so I can (laughs) legally punch him in the throat if I ever meet him. Oh, also, fuck you, Matthew Fox. Hitting women is not okay. I'm glad your career is over. Okay, continuing on. What about this uh, movie? Roger Allman or Allman? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a not lot me. of people that I can go into in this movie, and I, I sort of mention them as I go along. All right, all right. I didn't want to go. I think he's one of the best ones in the movie, honestly. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the Japanese actor, I can never remember his name. Toshiro, uh, damn it. I'll, I'll get, I, I wrote his name in my notes, but he was in The Last Samurai. Oh, yeah. Like he's a great actor, and to see him get mixed up in this is just like a real fucking shame. But this movie is is written and directed by the Wachowskis. It's worth noting these women do direct most everything that they write. They wrote the incredible heist flick Bound with Jennifer Tilly, The Matrix, as well as all of its spinoffs, V for Vendetta, Cloud Atlas, and the cult Netflix show that I couldn't get into known as Sense8. The only three that they haven't directed are V for Vendetta, most of the Animatrix, and Cloud Atlas. Something I have to preface the rest of this episode with, both of the Wachowski brothers transitioned and are now known as the Wachowski sisters are simply the Wachowskis. The only reason I say this is if I seemingly mess up a pronoun, it's because I may be referring to a work where they were credited as the brothers. It is in no way meant to be offensive if I refer to them by any other pronoun than their rightfully claimed feminine pronouns. With that out of the way, that whole pronoun racer. thing, I feel like y'all is coming back as a pronoun. <laughs> you know, I just a uh, gender neutral y'all. That is, need pretty to, uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing though i mean do we want to bring back y'all neutrality well no i mean bringing back y'all no dude <laughs> fuck y'all that's <laughs> some bullshit what else are you gonna say what besides y'all yeah everyone well 
that's too many people, man. You're just talking about the what about second what about they all plural? Yeah, the all, they all. I don't know. Well, you're addressing them directly. It's I mean, it's the second person. I mean, other languages have you know the, what's the best <laughs> pronoun for this, but we don't. We just have the hillbilly form. You know, it's the best way to refer to a bunch of uh, people that you don't know is you people. That's a great way of starting <laughs> off a conversation. <laughs> What do you mean, you people? <laughs> you people. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, you people? Anyway, Speed Racer is a marathon at 135 minutes long, part of why this movie sucks so much. And it was produced for $120 million. It was released on May 9th, 2009 at 3,606 theaters and opened with a $18,561,000 weekend. It opened in the number three spot with the Ashton Kutcher vehicle, What Happens in Vegas, in the number two spot in its first week. That's right. Ashton Kutcher beat this movie. And Iron Man in the number one spot in its second week. Below Speed Racer in the number four spot was the Patrick Dempsey romantic comedy travesty known as Maid of Honor in its second week. And rounding out the top five in its third week was the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler abomination known as Baby Mama. Mm -hmm. God damn that movie, man. <laughs> God damn. Again, two, you know, this is this is what? Like the second movie I think that we've done from 2008. Like the, this was a dark year for film, dude. Like there were so many bad movies that came out in 2008. Let, let's not forget that this, again, was the year of The Dark Knight, one of the best movies ever made. And if you don't want to point toward that, Iron Man, which is also a really great movie. Like, to have those two movies in the same year and all this other complete travesty bullshit is really confusing. Well, not every movie can be great. You know, when you have I a know, great movie laid to its competition, it just makes that more great, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Speed Racer was in theaters for 237 days and limped across the finish line while spinning and on fire, which is apparently how cars crash with a $43,945,000 domestic gross and a $50 million international, bringing its total to $93,945,000. That means Speed Racer endured over a $147 million loss for Warner Brothers, <laughs> our biggest loss yet. Congratulations, Wachowskis. You lost money that could have gone to feed hungry kids in America or any number of humanitarian causes, but we all needed a Speed Racer movie, didn't we? <laughs> sure. This opening makes Speed Racer the 115th overall opening for a movie in the month of May. Again, Blockbusters open in May to be the 115th release ever for that month is god-awful. Below this movie sits another misguided re reboot of a TV show, the 2017 comedy with Zac Efron known as Baywatch, and above it sits the Denzel Washington Gene Hackman submarine thriller, thriller from 1995 called Crimson Tide, which is a pretty entertaining movie, and I still <laughs> like that movie for Christ's sake, actually. This gross also makes Speed Racer the 193rd out of 200 track places, by the way, placing movie on Memorial Day weekend. The 1982 horror movie. That's right. A 1982 horror movie with Michael Ironside known as The Visiting Hours sits below it while the 1996 family cash grab animal flick named Flipper <laughs> sits above it. Oh. Not great company to be in association with. By the way, in case you are wondering what is at the bottom of this list in the number 200 slot, it's the 1997 comedy Father's Day with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal. Ooh. 
Yeah, pretty bad. The country that avoided this movie like the fucking plague that it was was Belgium <laughs> with a with a four thousand three hundred ninety-two dollar opening and gross. One weekend is all Belgium could take of this movie. It's interesting. They like racing. I'm surprised they uh, didn't show up to this movie. <laughs> uh, this isn't a racing movie, Paul. I don't know how to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Speed Racer, Gabe. It's literally yeah. a racing movie. <laughs> it's this. This is essentially a fucking video game that they put on the screen, but I'll get to that in a second. It was only released in three theaters in Belgium and placed 33rd at the box office that weekend. To give you an idea of what Belgium would rather see that weekend, the 32nd spot of that weekend is held by the Abigail Breslin, Jodie Foster, Gerard Butler fantasy flick known as Nim's Island. The big movie that weekend in Belgium was Kung Fu Panda with its $983,000 opening. The highest grossing movie of all time in Belgium belongs to the 2019 soulless abomination that was the subject of our fifth episode, Disney's The Lion King, with a $15,636,000 gross. So disappointing. Yeah. In the number two spot is some movie called Welcome to the Sticks, which is a French comedy from 2012 which made $245 million worldwide on a $16 million budget. I've never even heard of this movie, so I don't know what the fuck this is. I haven't heard about anybody in it. The director, like nobody. Literally, this is a movie that grossed a huge amount of money, and I never heard of it or even came up on my radar. But this is all to say, boo, Belgium. <laughs> fuck you for I watching. Have such good waffles. What's up? With that? Yeah, I know. But now you got to go watch The Lion King. Like, what the fuck's that about? Maybe their <laughs> version was re-edited or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, dude. One of, my, one of my favorite things that Pixar does on their Blu-rays and their special features is they have like the clip of like some clip of the movie dubbed into every language that they dub the movie in. And it like literally transitions from line to line to these different hmm. languages. But I would have liked to have seen the Belgium dubbed version of The Lion King just out of curiosity to see what that sounded like. Because I'm sure, I am positive that a fucking Belgium actor or uh what's the word not belgium what's what's the word for people from belgium belgies belgies yeah i am- uh, you gotta love americans we're so fucking worldly <laughs> aren't we stupid yeah <laughs> we're so goddamn stupid in terms of globalism but anyway i am 100 positive that a belgian voice actor could do a better job than Chiwido IGFR did as Scar. I guarantee that he put in a better performance. Anyway, at 6.14 euros per ticket or $9.03 American per ticket in 2008, that makes total asses and seats a scant 486.25 people saw this movie in theaters opening weekend in Belgium. Johnny Quarter Slice rides again. You know, I think Johnny Quarterslice was trying to see in Bruges, but because he was in Bruges and it's a shithole, his only choice was to go see Speed Racer. I'm sorry for your pain, Johnny. It's worse pain than the time that you lost your legs and your arms. I'm sorry, pal. With a population of 10.67 million people in 2008, that means that 4.557, 100 thousandths of 1% of Belgium's population saw Speed Racer opening weekend. 
Speed Racer has a 6.0 out of 10 with 67,793 votes, a 37 on Metacritic, and a splatty 40% on RottenTomatoes.com. Surprisingly, it does have a 60% audience score, so identical to the IMDb rating. Right, Gabe, you're in the minority. (laughs) If you're arguing that I'm in the minority here. This isn't a great fucking uh, movie to argue that against. Speed Racer ranks highest amongst males aged 30 to 44. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, 30 to 44. Paul, that's you, you motherfucker. (laughs) With a 6.1 out of 10 and lowest amongst males aged 45 plus with a 5.7 out of 10. This week, I am an utter loss for words describing the 7,473 people who voted this a perfect 10 on IMDb. Before I continue, Paul, what would you rate this on a scale of 1 to 10 on IMDb? If you were to just go and put your gut reaction in, what would you put? Well, first time I watched it, when it came out, I was pretty meh about it. (laughs) But uh, when I rewatched it, I really, really enjoyed it, actually. I had a great time, grand old time. so I'd give it a, an eight. An eight out of 10. Yeah. Wow. You yeah, fucking... eight out of 10. <laughs> did you, uh, did you see this movie? Did you see this movie in theaters when you first saw it? No, I think I pirated it when I was in college. <laughs> or like My roommate was actually like a gigantic speed racer fan. Like he wanted to be speed racer since he was a kid. So he was like all into it. <laughs> but then he saw the movie and he was like, oh, wow. Never mind. <laughs> I'm just going to go back to watching WRC now. So even even a fan couldn't get into it. That's wild. I figured that this movie was made specifically for fans to like jerk <laughs> off and get a, get all obsessive over. But my favorite reviews begin with one of my all-time favorite critics, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. Peter muses, even the target audience of 10-year-old boys might get Jimmy Legs st- sitting for a punishing 135 minutes as the Wachowski brothers projectile vomit their cotton candy dreams all over the big screen. Original score, two out of four. Joe Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal contends, quote, this toxic admixture of computer-generated frenzy and live-action torpor succeeds in being almost simultaneously genuinely painful, the aesthetic equivalent of needles in the eyeballs and weirdly benumbing like eye candy (laughs) laced with lidocaine. Original score, one out of four stars. Lastly, Rex Reed of the New York Observer flatly purveys. Speed Racer represents everything I despise about what passes for filmmaking today. Overwhelmed as it is by digital effects, Japanese animation, Buzzsaw CGI combined with live action, 3D storyboard animation, Asian martial arts, and flying cars. <laughs> Even when people pucker up to form words, they can. Comp- Compete with the pointless synergy of stop motion camera work and a heavenly choir yelling hallelujah in tempo. Nothing in it makes one lick of sense. The press notes quote producer Joel Silverstein on the Wachowski brothers quote, they wanted to change the way you see movies again. They failed, end quote. I can <laughs> sit through just about anything, but I draw the line at two hours and 15 minutes of fuchsia vomit. To suffer through this kind of hell, movie critics deserve combat pay, end quote. From Rex Reed. <laughs> Original score zero out of four stars. Lastly, Speed Racer is rated 
rated PG for sequences of action, some violence, and language. So, Paul, it's Sunday, September 30th, 1962, in the inaugural season of the New York Mets. It's the Mets' last game of the season as they stand against our Chicago Cubs in Chicago, Illinois at Ringley Field. This being their inaugural season, it's important they establish themselves as a winning team to generate fan buzz and pride. The Mets are down as the Cubs lead 5-1. 3,960 fans sit in attendance in a 41,649-seat stadium, only 9.5% full. Marv Thornberry steps up to plate. This game would be only eight short months away from Marv's forced retirement from baseball on May 5th, 1963. While Marv served as first baseman, he holds the same distinction as Fred Merkel in that Marv once had a triple hit, but was called out after missing both first and second bases while on his (laughs) way to third. How does this happen? Seriously, you can't hit the fucking bases you're running? What the hell? This game would serve as the Mets' 120th loss of a 161-game season, ranking them as the worst team of all time, and soon Marv Thornberry would be the worst player on the worst team. Marv set a record for the lowest fielding first baseman in history of baseball. He would go on to turn his ineptitude into fame doing Miller Lite commercials. Upon being asked how he felt about his endorsement, Thornberry once said, quote, if I do for light what I did for baseball, I'm afraid Miller's sales will go down, end quote. Journalist Jimmy Breslin agreed, saying of Marv, quote, having Marv Thornberry play for your team is like having famed bank robber Willie Sutton work for your bank, end quote. As Marv appears at the plate, you shake your head wondering how the fuck this man is still in baseball. His 200 batting average is the same league as Merkel, but you sigh out. I flash one finger to signal a fastball is all I can think of is, get this shit over with. I had some Chicago deep style dish earlier, and it's (laughs) duking it out in my duodenum. The porcelain god is calling me home. Just then... You wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. All right. You remember that 60s TV show called Speed Racer, right? Been yeah, trying sure. to turn this into a, a movie for a while now. And uh, we finally got uh, Mattel on board and a few other companies to make the merchandise. And so okay. we're thinking we're going to take the Wachowski brothers, you know, those guys that made hard hitting R rated oh, yeah. movies like the Matrix trilogy sure. and V for Vendetta and those kind of things. And uh, we're going to make a family friendly, just in your face anime movie with this thing. It's it's going to be great. It's going to have a chimp that throws feces. <laughs> oh, and okay. uh, we're going to have John Goodman. <laughs> He's going to beat up on some ninjas. I mean, this thing is going to be classic. Don't forget, there are going to be fast cars with like stilts and beehive launchers and all this shit. I mean, (laughs) I just, I cannot see what could possibly go wrong with the Wachowski's Brothers movie being a PG movie. I think their fans will love it. What do you think? What do you think? Sure. You ready for this? I think that I can give you 50 million for it. What do you think? Uh, We're going to need more, a lot more. You're doing an animated movie, aren't you? No, no, it's live action. We're going to do it all green screen, though. Okay. It's going to be good. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just going to do a little more Coke real quick. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. do the racer thing. <laughs> all right.
All right. Great, great. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We're going to write it off on our taxes. Just anyway. give me the fucking money. Yeah. All right, fine, give fine. The Here's the money. Right. Give, take, get the fuck out of my office. Take your Coke bag with you while you're out the door. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. I dropped it on the carpet. God damn <laughs> God it. God damn it. Now you, gotta, now you gotta vacuum that shit up. Yeah, man. I know. yeah, yeah damn it. All right, well, get some uh, HEPA filter vacuums here. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so Paul, first and foremost, who asked for this movie to exist? That's what I honestly want to know. A fucking dead goddamn <laughs> property from 1962 and you want to revive it for who like who exactly is their target audience like this movie specifically tries to distance people it's not made for like fans of the Chowski brothers because there's nothing there in terms of what they saw from the matrix you know what i mean well i mean it's got its whole anti-corporate anti-the man kind of statement of <laughs> individualism and all that jazz so right uh, you know it's, 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 their, their, their themes are in there that's the bare that's the bare <laughs> minimum paul like that's not even scratching the surface of what made them great at one time yeah. <laughs> but yeah, about it. well and and you know there's some mind-bending moments uh you know when he's like, like what flying through the <laughs> the final scene where he's like flying through the air and like the world goes to plaid. I wrote that down as like, wow, great <laughs> Spaceballs reference, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. They yeah. went plaid. <laughs> no, but seriously, like first up, they, they actually have, you know, I hate it. I hate it so much when movies try to work in the title of the movie. And this movie has in the first opening moments, somebody yell out, speed racer, slow down. It's like, oh, wow. They said the title. How did they do that? Oh, we my did. God. But, you know, I mean, what, all right. We, <laughs> Were you a kid? I was a kid like that. I was just uh, running around just like crazy kid, just doing yeah, whatever sure, I wanted. Sure. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I enjoy watching it as an adult. All I want to do is hit the fucking kid in this movie. <laughs> No, but yeah. but seriously, dude, like the, the biggest problem that I have with this movie more than anything else in terms of like, you know, the weird scenes or like the weird like sugar rush bullshit or any of that is that the green screen in this movie looks so goddamn fake, dude. Like they aren't even trying to make it look like they're compositing people in a digital world. They no, look like all, a green it's, screen. It's all style, man. It's all style. That's what I like about this movie is... <laughs> Their their crazy style. Uh, I mean, if you watch, if it, it's kind of like an anime because they have all these like character faces streaming by, and right. then the background still in focus. So they do this kind of right. dual focus, superimposed thing going yeah. on in a lot of it. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, they made some very interesting stylistic choices, and yeah. I have to commend them with that. Even though it uh, can hurt your head a little bit <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but uh, there hasn't been a movie like this ever, and I don't know if there ever will be. So you're gonna no, not after this that. failed as badly as it did. But like <laughs> that 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 like dual focus thing you're talking about is called a split diopter. Number one, it's like an old '70s technique that they used to use. It's like becoming more in vogue now. But I was confused by this because I hadn't seen this movie until I watched it this Sunday. I had only seen clips oh, of it. Wow. Wow. And I fucking hated this movie. Like, <laughs> there were there were several times when I was watching this that I was like, why does Paul like this movie? Is it because of the fucking <laughs> monkey? Like, I know that you love Congo because it has monkeys in it. 
But like the fucking I mean, <laughs> the goddamn chimp in this movie doesn't rip anybody's arms or face off, which is disappointing. I mean, he does throw feces, yeah, which is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the energy is why I like it. I had, I've, I've never seen the show until a few days ago when I decided that I needed to do some research. Okay. Okay. And this really, it nails the kind of tone of the show. Okay. Which I found surprising. Like they didn't. Uh, God dare. <laughs> I think the chimp is mostly annoying along with the little kid. Okay. But uh, I don't know. First time I saw it, it was kind of meh. But this second time around where I watched it a few days ago, I uh, actually really enjoyed it a lot more. <laughs> You'd I only seen this movie once before? Yeah, only once. Okay. And, uh, but, uh, I think the, the way that they film and the energy, just like the complete package that they brought together, just makes something really weird, but, uh, fun and special <laughs> in its own way. Might even call it genius. I'm going to call so, it genius. I am not. <laughs> so, so you're a real sucker. <laughs> you're a real sucker for energy and pacing. And like, I mean, I, I can't really give it editing because like the editing in this movie isn't really that interesting in order to keep it, you know, moving along. I feel like it's got real long portions where it just kind of slogs along, but like the, the action scenes, they're competently put together. I'll give them that, even though sometimes you're absolutely confused on what the fuck is happening. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just need to brighten up your attention span. You should probably take a little uh, Ritalin or something like that before you watch this movie. Then, then you'll be sharp enough to to pick it up. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's actually a really, really important point is that if this movie was aimed at that crowd, they probably would be high on kitty crack and they might <laughs> actually really enjoy this movie. I never yeah, thought about yeah. that, actually. Maybe it's just because I'm a 33-year-old asshole curmudgeon, <laughs> but... <laughs> This movie didn't. I don't do know. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I, I think uh, at some point I start caring about the characters for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they all like pull together to face okay. these insurmountable odds. And <laughs> so you're just like, well, okay, the little kid, he's super annoying, kind of a little piece of shit, but you know, he's part of the family. You got to love the family because it's the, the racer family. And, uh, well, I'm glad that you acknowledge that he's an annoying piece of shit. (laughs) To be honest, dude, like he is the single reason why I absolutely fucking hate this movie. Like everything that he is in is annoying and built for like cheap laughs. And I just, I hate that. I'm like, okay, you know, a little bit, a little bit of levity is good and everything like that, especially in like a good action movie, but like to constantly berate us with it and beat us over the head with this irritating (laughs) child and his chimp it just it seemed like a parody movie because i really i would like to see if you cut all of those scenes out with him and the chimp whether this movie would play better i'm just curious because they don't really bring anything to it and it's fine that you throw them in with the fight scene near the end there with the whole family fighting them but i don't know man like i feel like if you just cut out that kid and those stupid scenes where it looks like a fucking mtv music video on crack during the 80s that i think it would have worked better (laughs) so I had never seen the cartoon show before. Um, right, I decided saying. that I needed to do a little research and so I went <laughs> back and watched a bunch of the cartoon and they really like they nailed the tone 
and all of the the kids wacky antics are all part of the the show and if you're the kid and the chimp like intercut doing stupid shit during these really dramatic parts then it wouldn't be the speed racer so they actually kind of followed the formula of the show like okay pretty pretty close to the line i mean to to be fair i've never seen the show i've seen like clips of it but i've never seen the show is that on netflix did you watch it on netflix or what no you can uh you can watch some of it on youtube okay um, there's a bunch of episodes up there i mean it's <laughs> geez it's like 50 years old now or something like <laughs> yeah. that so. i mean it, it was 46 when this movie came out like 46 year old property this goes back to i just want to bring this up for a second but this bring goes back to that idea that hollywood has that like something that was really popular during an olden time is going to be popular again and this isn't even like 30 years difference with like the lion king for instance or aladdin or whatever i'm talking about things like the Lone Ranger, right? You know, like the Lone Ranger, yeah. it was dead for the better part of 60 <laughs> years. Like, oh, I got it. You know, we'll just take Johnny Depp and throw him in it with Army Hammer, who's kind of hot right now, and, you know, pump $250 million into it, and we can't go wrong. But it's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you can go very, very oh, wrong, like, like casting a white it. actor to play an Indian. But, you know, that's that's cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's it's like uh, that, no. and then uh, like even even the Netflix show Lost in Space. I don't know who's watching that, but I'm like, I I tried to watch it because I was a fan of the original, and I remember that I started the first episode, and I was like, you know, all this has is like it's got the glitz and the glamour of like modern Hollywood and special effects, but like it's boring. I don't give a shit, and I just shut it yeah. off. I was like, you know, I grew up watching this like a fucking cult thing when I was a kid, and if you can't get me to watch it, who the fuck is watching this? You know. Like, <laughs> I guess people that aren't familiar with the original TV show might be watching it, but, or it's like uh, John Carter of Mars. Remember that movie? That movie almost sank yeah. a studio as well because they <laughs> took a book that was popular 70 years prior and tried to turn it into a movie. And again, pumped $250 million into it and hope that they can cash in on the post avatar crowd. And it was really, yeah. really fucking bizarre. Well, I but, know only one person who was my roommate in college and his like childhood hero was, speed racer and <laughs> he fancied himself a, a racing enthusiast slash wait are you ta- are you racer. talking about ryan yeah yeah so oh, he wow, was I like didn't... big into speed racer okay probably why i watched it to begin with because he okay. was all excited about it i didn't really care that much about it when i saw it at first but <laughs> thinking about it now it's just got a lot of really great stuff in it like <laughs> i really enjoy the the weird editing that they do with the i don't even know how what you call this kind of editing where they have the the close-ups panning by that transition between frames of i mean it would just be it would just be a wipe like it would be a linear yeah. wipe using an actor yeah. rather than a line so but they, that was actually make like good use of that to me at least in the first part where they're giving all this exposition and backstory <laughs> and it's kind of interspersed i mean it takes place within maybe the first 15 minutes of the movie but it like sets uh-huh. up the whole family and the backstory of a bunch of the characters hmm. and i think it was really effective how they did that and <laughs> they stuck with the style of the anime <laughs> and the manga and uh, okay. i don't know i thought it was cool and i don't i haven't <laughs> seen anything like that before mm. or after the fact i guess maybe uh what's his name the hulk the original like uh oh with lou ferrigno L- lou no 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 the uh 
Oh, the Ang Lee movie. The Ang Lee one had some yeah with Eric Banning like uh, comic book panel right editing and stuff like that. But uh, this one had its own style. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know. I think the key to enjoying this movie is to let go of realism (laughs) and just look at at it for what it is and not (laughs) what you want it to be. I mean, I, I think that this movie failed on the fact that, like, they built it up using the Matrix background, that it was the directors of the Matrix. And, you know, like, they were talking about it was going to revolutionize the way that we saw movies and blah, 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 blah. And then you see this thing and it's like, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like a hundred and twenty million dollar version of Blue's Clues, but with racing cars intercut. <laughs> I mean, for real, dude, like the backgrounds in all the scenes that aren't racing when they're outside, it looks like Blue's Clues. I'm like half expecting it to be like Blue's Clues or Teletubbies where like you see a sun come up and it's got a baby's face in it, you know, or something like that. (laughs) No, that's uh, that's a good way to describe this. Yeah, (laughs) everything going on behind the characters is pretty wild. You know, I wonder um, if you put a bunch of pixie sticks in a crack pipe and you lit it on fire, whether this is what you would be seeing during that know, hallucination. That's, yeah, that's a good drug to take, I think, when you try this. Try, try smoking pixie sticks and let us know how it works yeah. out. Lace right, with so, crack, of course. Yeah, obviously. Or, you know, like peyote or, dude, I've never smoked mushrooms, but maybe that would do something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> All right, so for real though, like John Goodman's hair in this movie is a huge problem that I have because it looks <laughs> like he's wearing a wig or that he just dyed the living fuck out of it. But he looks like Fred Flintstone, Flintstone complete with the campy crap, you know? And I was just like, okay, like I, I don't know what they're going for here, but I'm just going to accept that this is what it is and that he's probably going to be the best thing about this movie. <laughs> they're basically, I think they copied the haircut from the cartoon I figured like yeah. this weird floppy thing <laughs> looks horrible, but, but John Goodman, or, or, I mean, it was decent enough casting as far as John Goodman, because he could kind of pull off the weird, angry, intimidating father figure. But at the same time, he could have these deep emotional moments with his, with his family. <laughs> You know, he really was the best part of this movie. I, I did find his performances. He, he like does, spoke. He does have the best line. Which one? When, when they're like, were those ninjas? And he's like, more like ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll give him that line. That was fine. You know, like it's, it's one of those B-movie lines that sort of works, even though you know it's a really bad line. But, you know, I mean, uh, early on in the movie, the kid summarizes movie best for me. It's very early on in the movie, and he's watching something on TV, and it's really intense. And he says, I don't know if I can watch this. And I was like, ah, yeah, like that's exactly how I feel right now. <laughs> But, you know, uh, like I said, I I had never known anything about this TV show other than that it existed. And I had seen a few clips, but everything that I had seen was like the race sequences and whatnot. I never saw any of the stuff that wasn't race related. So it was it was hard for me when I was watching this because I was just like, what's with the fucking monkey, man? Like, you know, I think my biggest problem besides the movie's off putting visual style and the visual effects is the crappy soundtrack because this feels and looks and sounds like a Nickelodeon nightmare. And I just don't know any other 
other way of putting it other than that. And I know that they use like some original tracks from the TV show and whatnot, but I don't yeah, know, man. Do it's fucking it's fucking terrible. I'm like, oh, this soundtrack is fucking awful. I just want it to stop. Yeah, no, I mean the soundtrack's not that great, but uh a lot of it was just uh taken from the, the show. Original, yeah. The yeah, the the music in the show doesn't seem to sync up very well with uh, <laughs> what's going on on the screen either. But they just went ahead and used it anyways. It always seemed like a very low budget show to me, you know, like they were just kind of producing it for as cheaply as they can. And they were doing like high concept ideas with like the imagery and whatnot, but they didn't have the budget to do it properly. Or maybe it was just because of the 60s, but it just felt like it was cheap. And that was always my thing with the TV show that I was like, yeah, I'm not into this because it feels cheap to me. You know, it feels like somebody's trying to work one over on me, but <laughs> that's just my opinion. But, yeah. you know, dude, the uh, we had talked about this previously with um, with the Lion King, but I feel like it sort of applies here is that the the off putting cartoon style animation with the visual movement of human beings, it feels really false and weird to me. And that like immediately takes me out of it because like the, the all the images that you're seeing are like so cartoonish, but like the way that the people move is like like people, you know? And it's like it doesn't feel like something out of an anime yeah. TV show. I don't know. I feel even though the the cars like move in these ways that don't look I mean they don't look real, but at the same time the way they accelerate and bounce around <laughs> feels like it has real momentum and <laughs> physics behind it for the most I mean, part where they could have done to be going it feels like uh, they're going like 400 <laughs> miles an hour on the track it's fucking nuts <laughs> yeah no they uh it's about speed man speed racer it's a movie yeah, so sure they're you just know, going like 100 miles an hour that's not very interesting did uh you know i don't know if you watched enough of the show in order to answer this question but did the original have the dead brother story that this movie had or was that something that was just yeah so racer x is in the show and he's always there but it's never it's never really revealed as far as i could tell for sure that he's the the brother or i don't know but it's basically the same storyline it's like they took a bunch of episode storylines and kind of tied them (laughs) together like uh the uh evil corporate guy trying to get you know the family business and steal engine plans i mean they kind of wrapped up all that stuff and racer x comes in and i mean the the show has a ton of episodes where it's just one race and they have to deal with (laughs) some random character who got his car stolen i don't know but (laughs) Uh, it's it's a lot of zany stuff going on and uh yeah i feel like they uh kind of scrapped it all together i think my probably my favorite part of the movie is all of the scenes with uh what's his name uh the royal guy yeah lewis prothero no (laughs) no no no. yeah i mean that that's his character for v for vendetta is lewis prothero the the voice of england you know the guy that gets killed in his bathroom yeah yeah yeah. roger (laughs) alum or oh that's alm 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 i think he's the best character like the way he he starts out he's all being sweet to the family and he's like family's just as important 
important to me as it is to you. Just let me show you my family and how good and happy everyone at this giant company that I own. Royalton, <laughs> that's his name, Arnold Royalton. Royalton. Yeah. But, you know, as soon as Speed, like, tells him that he's going to refuse the deal, then he just, he like, switches ugly. on a dime. And he gives, like, this speech kind of like... Uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, what's his name in the Matrix when Neo gets to the the Merovingian? The Not the Merovingian. The uh, <laughs> and he gets the key and he goes through the door. The constructor, fuck his new name. I don't. <laughs> when it's revealed that the Matrix is, uh, you know, it's actually number seven or something like that. Oh, and right, it's right, just right. this continuous cycle of people. And he just gives him this whole speech about how choosing one door is death and choosing the other door is the only way. And I thought that was the know. Merovingian. I thought that was his name. The guy with all the television sets, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think no. that's the Merovingian. I thought he was, uh, damn it, I don't know. No, but the anyway, Merovingian is the guy who has the key maker. He's the French guy who's like fucking people in the bathroom. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to move back to this movie for a second because you brought up Louis Prothero, this dude that plays Royalton. And, uh, you know, on top of the fact that he was in V for Vendetta prior to this and he played the bad guy in V for Vendetta and his voice and his mannerisms are almost exactly the same same and he's clearly the bad guy in this movie because he's like the most well-dressed and the richest guy <laughs> and he also speaks german which slick. immediately it's like oh okay there's still that whole anti-german <laughs> sentiment still out there in the film world you know so i'm like yeah it's obvious he's the bad guy like i don't even need to know anymore you could stop the movie right now and somebody could ask me who is the bad guy and i could tell you it was that guy he didn't have to have his turning on a dime speed scene or whatever speaking of he goes by well, no uh, i mean it uh builds up his character a lot because you can see like how he's not straight with anything he's like a fucking backstabbing murderous <laughs> guy who will stop at nothing but you know he tries the the carrot first because that's the easy path <laughs> right but, so uh, what what was his first name again of uh, arnold arnold royalton is that what you were saying roger roger Wait, Royalton. Fuck. no no Oh. Anyway, anyway, he, he introduces himself and he says, I'm so-and-so Royalton Esquire, right? Did you know that mm -hmm. Esquire isn't actually an earned title? You can literally stick it on the end of anyone's name without any sort of qualification. And that's huh. something that I find immensely interesting because I do see it every once in a while on somebody's business card. And I'm like, this doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, I could Pretty put cool, Esquire though. on the end of my name and I would be fine. It's supposedly having to do with like that you have some sort of uh, law background or something like that that's where you most commonly see it is like you know a, uh, a paralegal might have Esquire at the end of their business title yeah but it's like that's where I see it most anyway but I'm like you don't need any education or earn title in order to have that but <laughs> moving on do we do we really have to see a fat kid going after candy again and <laughs> praising christ complete with when, condos messiah over it are all fat kids still funny like when you were like eight years old how would you react to a giant display of candy for the taking game would you do i mean i would be do? excited i don't think that i would act yeah. like you know i need to <laughs> 
I need to hit the fucking meth pipe right then and there, which is what he's acting like. But I don't know, dude. Like th- this kid, he's not six, you know, he's like 10. And <laughs> it's off the like, rails, I feel, man. I feel like if it's I was 10, child. I wasn't acting like that when I was 10. But, you know, that's that's besides the point. Again, I hadn't seen this movie before this week. And all I could think of was uh, the truffle shuffle in the Goonies the entire fucking time. Because I was just like, the kid looks similar. He's got like that <laughs> stupid hat and he's overweight and i'm like all i can think of is the goonies and it kept anything that would have been funny just kept make me making me think of who is that was that jerry <laughs> o'connell was that jerry yeah. o'connell in the in the goonies uh, I, don't know. I don't remember <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it's pretty funny. There, there's a big problem that I have with the visual effects in this movie. And as much as like the the anime or the Matrix directors are like so focused on visual effects, like when they're zooming through, when the kid and the chimp are like zooming through all those people in the hallways, and all these people are on segways, it's obvious that these people are being photographed standing still in front of a green screen and being moved by the computer <laughs> because they don't look like they're moving. They look like they're fucking standing still and it feels weird it just feels like all this digital manipulation and it doesn't feel like a, a real movie i'm like what the hell am i watching like it's low budget was, is what it feels yeah. like. i'm surprised they didn't have more of that kind of trickery because the show just makes use of many like uh budget cutting techniques <laughs> like that like, like characters that don't blink or move and shit like that. yeah well or they're they'll animate like 20 frames of race cars driving by on a track and then they'll just loop that over and over (laughs) again with some sound over the top like describing the situation but you can see like cars changing color when they transition when they hit the back of the loop or whatever and start it again you know it looks really bad in a lot of places so I'm surprised honestly that they didn't do more of that kind of shit there's so many visual discontinuities in the show that it just (laughs) just cheap Uh, tricks speaking of cheap tricks in this movie there's like there's a lot of this movie that it's not i mean the wachowski brothers during this time period they they understood a lot of how movies work and especially how to get like tension or like raise tension in a scene but in this movie there's like this very oddly edited sequence and it's like when when emile hirsch's racer goes and meets cannonball for the first time and like they drive away and there's this visual trade-off where like you see cannonball's face kind of like fall and emile kind of look back to him like his face kind of fall seeing cannonball's face fall and it's like it's not intelligent by any means it's just like really tacked on there and it didn't (laughs) need to be there well i mean that uh, whole scene uh, was uh, all about how everything has a shiny veneer at the Royal Corporation. But in <laughs> fact, you know, the racer guy is actually the slave of royalty in, in a sense, right, right, you right. know, golden right. handcuff type slave who has to throw <laughs> races and yeah, to all of its fate. And that was a little foreshadowing. Sure. I'll, I'll let you have that for a second. But <laughs> <laughs> But speaking speaking of assaulting someone, if I have to see the fat little brother say sweet again and see the monkey scream with its tongue out, I'm going to cut someone's fucking tongue out a la Midnight <laughs> Express. Like, hold their mouth open, grab their tongue with my mouth, and rip it out with my fucking teeth. That's how I felt watching this shit. 
just like please stop apparently on the set um, the monkey bit someone like uh, like a child for no reason <laughs> so this guy smacked it and then PETA got all upset oh yeah with this and absolutely yeah they got super upset and it was this big thing about animal <laughs> cruelty oh sure on the set yeah you know it bit so the kid monkey bite it bit whatever kid it was because like it's a chimp dude like chimps are incredibly yeah, violent animals and they just do it <laughs> luckily it didn't rip the kid's face that off, would have made it you know? so much more entertaining <laughs> like i'm not gonna lie but I, I have a real timeline question here paul like susan sarandon uh-huh. susan sarandon has a fully grown son in his 30s and that's the guy that goes off in order to be racer x right when he walks out yeah. the door he's in his 30s then years later they have a fully grown speed in his 20s and a fat kid who's under 10 and i'm just thinking about like jesus christ this woman's eggs are a fucking wonder of science <laughs> She got pregnant when she was like 60. Like, what the fuck? Uh, she's probably, you know, she's the kind of housewife of uh, middle America there. So she probably had her first kid when she's like 18. And she waits 10 and years between every yeah. child. Yeah. Seems a little sure cool. <laughs> Why do bad guys always have to be ugly as fuck? Like every single <laughs> one of these dudes, these henchmen look like the, uh, I mean, to, to go back to V for Vendetta for a second, but they look like the fingermen that attack Edie in the alley near the beginning when she meets V. They just look like they have leprosy and like six stds and it's like what the fuck like are these what <laughs> bad guys in you know england look like they all look like this <laughs> yeah i don't know my wife brought that up when there's like some german lady who's very heavy set and you're just like imagine her name is helga but she's <laughs> one of the villains <laughs> you're like why are the german ones always like these hefty evil women and i was like well hmm I don't know. It must come. It's from- in Indiana Jones. There's a sexy German lady. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Last crusade. But uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot more like angry, heavy set German women yeah. in movies. I think it's, maybe I think it's that idea. I think it's that idea of like the Eastern Bloc women being hardy because yeah. they live in like a fucking tundra for nine months out of the year. And like <laughs> it comes from that. But I really don't know. Here's the thing. Yeah. Like they introduce you to the bad guys and then, you know, they get into that shootout scene it pops a hole in the piranha tank and they ask that or he tells that guy to stick his finger in with the piranhas <laughs> and i like that i like that idea but i wish yeah. i just wish the piranhas were really that aggressive in real life like it was <laughs> so goddamn entertaining i would just like if i could come across piranhas i would just throw random things in the tank to see them like swarm and skeletonize whatever it is i threw in right there. i just wish that that was that would be dude if you, I mean, for Piranha were like that, I would have <laughs> a Piranha tank in my in my kitchen <laughs> or whatever. You know, you're just like ah, garbage disposal, yeah. basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot of entertainment in that. For sure. Dude, you know what this movie reminds me of more than anything? And I say this not only to try to be funny, but also because I actually mean it. This movie reminds me of Super Mario Brothers with John Leguizamo. Yeah. It reminds me of that. I'm just like, holy <laughs> shit. What I'm no. actually I'm actually surprised that this movie has a six point John, IMDB. John Goodman has the same costume in one of the scenes. He's got like these blue overalls <laughs> and this red shirt red shirt and everything you're like oh it's mario oh wait no. i got confused for a second yeah uh- <laughs> 
Ah, uh, dude. Uh, you know, this this is going back to the realism thing for a second, but the very next moment I wanted to talk about was they chucked that Asian guy out of the car. Or I'm sorry, out of the armored semi at pretty <laughs> in- like a hundred. Yeah. And he just like barely <laughs> falls by the road without any Bumps. real impact or skidding. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh like it's obvious that he just fell into the frame. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it looks like he just fell into the frame. <laughs> doesn't look like he got thrown out of a fucking moving vehicle but for all the all the gunplay in this movie and all the swerving of cars and violent impacts like to cheap out on that it just is like okay so it just totally took any sort of like real entertainment out of that scene immediately yeah no there's there's all this stuff that's really pg about this movie where you know if it were a normal wachowski brother movie then you would feel that impact a lot more yeah you know all the car crashes have this kind of whitewashed happy ending to them instead of the driver <laughs> crashing and burning alive while being trapped in the wreckage you know every every all the violence is uh is happy violence right. and cartoony right. and there's no consequences yeah. <laughs> for it so it's definitely kid kid friendly in that fact where even though you know there's people pointing guns at them you're like oh yeah they can't they're not gonna get hurt (laughs) (laughs) you know this and it kind of takes away from a lot of the movie and sometimes i wish there was like a hard r-rated version (laughs) of this with like the real consequences of you know I mean, even even if you just gave me, even if you just gave me this movie as a PG thirteen rated thing, they could put a lot in a PG thirteen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, even that would have been okay, especially when it comes to the violence, when it comes to the car crashes. You could have done a lot with that. You know, yeah. whatever. It seemed like a missed opportunity, but whatever. No, you gotta just accept that this is like a kids' movie, even though <laughs> they seriously fucked up the marketing <laughs> and all of that. You know, this movie it, more than anything it stands to me as being a uh, a word of warning to the absolute horror show that is Jupiter Ascending that's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which movie do you think is worse? I, I couldn't even finish Jupiter Ascending. I think I got like a third of the way through because I was hoping it would get more interesting. Know, dude, I don't know. And man. I just lost it, man. I just couldn't <laughs> deal with it. I don't know because like Channing Tatum's elf ears in that or like something to behold for sure but i feel like the only reason that i sat through that movie is to see eddie redmayne like single-handedly fuck up an entire movie with his performance because eddie redmayne is so bad in that movie that it was like shocking (laughs) to me i was just like wow this man literally just won an oscar and i'm watching this (laughs) like what the fuck is going on (laughs) so yeah. This movie, I mean, again, maybe this is going back to the humor of the TV show, but like throughout this movie, there's all this comedy in it that is just played as juvenile, like the kid stowaway in the trunk and his like brother talking romantically to his girlfriend. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I think I'm in a Ralph, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wow, this uh, this is really, really awful humor. Um, super juvenile. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it reaches its peak when they're like in the gunfight and the monkey throws its feces <laughs> at the guy's face. <laughs> That's. But I laughed when I saw. Well, no, I don't think I laughed when I first saw that. But second time around, I'm, I was kind of waiting for it. Like, yeah, monkey shit, all right. <laughs> I don't, have you seen that in a movie before? 
a monkey throwing fecal matter. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, I think it was, zoo, I think it's it going to happen in... like half the time you're at the zoo. <laughs> I feel like it was in Gorillas in the Mist, if I remember correctly, with uh, Sigourney Weaver. I'm pretty sure it was in that movie. I don't recall. Or what was that other movie? Uh, Goodall, the biopic about Jane Goodall. I think it was in that too, but I, I really don't remember, to be honest with you. Hmm. I don't really pay attention to if a monkey is throwing shit. <laughs> I just have to say that's not something that I look for. But I mean, it's either that or he could be throwing a semen around, which is also a way of them threatening you that something's going on. They yeah. masturbate another hand and then fling their jizz at you, which is really goddamn aggressive, by the way. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. But it's it's I think go ahead. I think it would be interesting if you re-edited this movie and just cut out like ninety percent of the intercut juvenile humor scenes <laughs> and like just went with the straight storyline. Yeah, I mean and I think it would flow a lot better and it had more more uh intensity yeah. and all of that. I do too. And I think I think that this movie is way over long at 135 minutes. Like it didn't need yeah. to be that long. Like this could have been an hour and forty an hour and 50 tops and it would have been fine but to stretch it to yeah. two hours and 15 minutes it seems like they're deliberately doing that and it's like fucking irritating because it's a lot of it it's just like <laughs> this could be sped up you know like the tempo of the scene is like dying like get on with it you know move on yeah. to something else and i, I think yeah, there's an especially bad part where they were royalton is revealing like that uh the biggest influential moment in, in speed racers life was actually a fixed right, race right, right. that was all about money and he's just like crushing his dreams right and, but then they intercut with the the stupid kid like getting into shenanigans and just like deflates <laughs> yeah. the whole yeah it does impact of that scene but they do like the end race they dispense with all of that bullshit and they go like straight straight matrix style climax <laughs> where he's like flying through the air and everything and that that really worked for me i thought that was great scene you're you're talking about matrix one or matrix two not matrix three climax because like matrix one yeah. <laughs> matrix one yeah but the, the the japanese actor that i was having a hard time remember his name is uh hi i'm gonna fuck it up but it's hiroyuki sonata but i'm just like dude it's so hiroyuki it's so yeah. bad that Hiroyuki Sonata is mixed up in all this because he is a great actor that's completely wasted in this movie. He's literally <laughs> in like one scene, I think, and then he's gone. And it's just like, yeah. I, I mean, maybe he had to cash check or whatever, you know, but at the same time, it's- Does like, he play the, the business conglomerate guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, who yeah, like okay. tells Not him to the, throw the, the racer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah, play okay. the racer. Right. He plays, the, the guy who plays the racer, he's a one word name and it's just Rain is that guy's name rain that's it whoa whoa that's pretty that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah well i mean apparently he's a big deal in the uh eastern asian block but i haven't seen him before i thought at first he was that guy from uh from the good the bad and the weird but he it's not him as i was watching uh, him more i was like okay okay you know i mean i think i could have lasted more like this movie more <laughs> if he was in it I was like, ah, uh, you know, there's that whole Takashi Miike like connection in my heart that if you make a reference yeah. to Takashi, even if it's glancing, I'm gonna like you more because of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
But, you know, well, missed opportunities, I suppose. Absolutely. It was, man. But, you know, the scene that you were talking about, about him, uh, Royalton crushing everybody's hopes. And that is uh, one of my biggest problems with this movie, because it's like Royalton goes on this long, long wordy monologue about the might of money because we desperately needed to see that. Apparently, (laughs) I was just like, dude, you know, I, I already saw a movie in 1986 called Wall Street, where a guy went on a seven page monologue about how important money is and this is just going to pale in comparison for anybody that's ever seen a movie about greed like even Citizen Kane has better monologues about greed this guy just plays it completely false and it turns out to be like this uh, just overly wordy thing that I honestly got lost in to be truthful with you and then I was like oh wait I was, I'm still watching this right right I need to get caught up with- <laughs> <laughs> I liked his monologue I thought it was uh, one of my favorite parts <laughs> but I think he's my favorite character in the movie honestly so. <laughs> what about what about Freebird being used as the boy and the monkey wreck havoc in the facility? It's just like for me, it's just it's so yeah. schlocky. <laughs> and to use that song, I was just like, oh god, like yeah. please just don't do that. No, I think uh, half of this movie is all about the schlock, <laughs> and uh, a lot of it, uh, I think they do well. So, I mean. <laughs> If you just watch the races and everything where there's these cars bouncing across <laughs> like canyons and stuff and, try, and going around loop de loop driving driving up eighty degree inclines. With, you know, I mean, yeah. You just uh it's uh you have to accept the schlock and deal with it. Uh, you're just gonna have a bad time. You know you're gonna have an aneurysm or something. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I also, again, this is like cutting out the kid again, but the, like the monkey and the kid in the coat to look like an adult cliche bullshit with like the monkey on the top and the security guard <laughs> finds them. Uh, I hate that, dude. I hate it so <laughs> goddamn much. And, uh, it makes me laugh just thinking about it. I don't know why. <laughs> why is Richard Roundtree in this movie, dude? I know he needs cash because they're not making Shaft mm. anymore, but like seriously this like what the fuck man you know <laughs> he's a better actor than that but he's like in this for a second maybe it's just because he wanted to work with the Wachowskis yeah. and they had just come off the Matrix and they were known as visionary directors even though Matrix 3 fucking sucked ass <laughs> but, you know whatever did it suck ass or was it just did it not get to your expectations All right, so here here's the legitimate thing right like they they came out with all three of them on 4k blu-ray last year all in may of last year and i hadn't seen them for probably the better part of eight years or so that i had sat down and watched a matrix movie but i deliberately forced myself when i bought the trilogy on 4k to watch revolutions on its own to not remind myself about how great the matrix is or how a reloaded was entertaining even though it's not a great movie but like just watching the third one on its own with that eight year gap in my memory of the matrix and it's a bad movie it's legitimately a bad movie <laughs> And I think that it just like, I don't think it's one of those things where it just suffered under the weight of the other two or even the first one, but it's just like, it's legitimately a bad movie. And I don't remember was, I don't know when was the last time that you saw the matrix, but I challenge you to do that. If you haven't seen it in a while, go back and watch just three and you'll see what I mean. It's legitimately terrible. Well, that's a whole nother thing. Anyway, speaking of schlock. So one of my favorite parts of this movie again is all of the different villainous drivers. Like you've got such a large variety of different, (laughs) 
like evil drivers. You've got the Vikings. And a horribly, and horribly racist yeah. character. Yeah, I mean, he's got the Cobra, like, cannon launching thing <laughs> where he can, like, launch snakes into your car. And uh, what else does he have on his car? The oil He's got, the, like, shit. the drill grits. Oh, uh, yeah, the oil. <laughs> That's good, yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> but they didn't make it entirely racist because they, like, mixed, they mixed in a black guy who was one of the Vikings. And, uh, I mean, not all of the Egyptian-themed characters were Middle Eastern. And there's a lot of women mixed in, you know, so it's very progressive in that in that regard. Women drivers? You know, for, I don't remember that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, uh, one of the Vikings was a woman. There's a whole team of, like... I remember that whole thing with, like, the Asian guy switching out with his sister or whatever. And, like, she... It's not his sister, man. It's Trixie. That's, like, his girl. Oh, wait. No, what am I... I thought it was the Asian... Never mind. Never mind. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I thought yeah. it was like his sister for some reason, but yeah, never mind. Forget what I said. It was because they, yeah, it's a weird family dynamic, and you're not quite sure by the way they act. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all wholesome, good fun game. Uh, if you call <laughs> fucking your sister wholesome, good fun, I guess that's it. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not related they just have grown up together since they're like two years old or something like that that's all but, but uh yeah no so you got all these crazy different villains of all different shapes and types you know, and they all have their own themed weapons and i think that's pretty sweet it's a it's a really really good thing that the only black race car driver in this movie that is this kid's idol happens to be a crook because if he turned out to be like a straight laced like good guy and it was the white guy that fucked everything <laughs> over i'd probably be pretty upset by that like, come on, dude. Seriously, you got to give me that. Like, that's pretty bad. It's like color. I mean, it's the scene playing right behind us. He's like, oh, this black guy I idolized. I'm going to rip him off my wall because he fucking made me angry. And then it leads into it leads into the uh, mom inspires upset adolescent scene. You have to put your mind to anything and do it. <laughs> Because cliche, you know, maybe it's a good thing that Emil Hirsch's career is over and that I haven't seen him in anything in a while because it's like, dude, if you're populating your career with things like this, like maybe you shouldn't be allowed to make money anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should write you off. Uh, it's... Uh... I I hate how okay so this is an exposition thing that happens in a lot of movies but that dude comes to their door I can't remember who exactly it is but he comes to their door oh it's the inspector the inspector comes to their mm -hmm. door and John Goodman opens the door and greets him and he says been a long time and he's like yes it has 10 years and then he like invites him into the house and I'm like it's a good thing that they told me that it was 10 years in case I missed the giant subtitle prior to this it said 10 years later <laughs> It's a good thing that they reminded me that it's been 10 years. But I'm like, dude, people don't talk like this, you know, at all. It's not like, oh, yeah, it has been 10 years. It's like, no, you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it has been a long time, whatever. It's a little verbal sparring, man. Yeah, fuck you. Oh, you think I don't remember when my son died, <laughs> bitch? 10 years to the day. Right, right, right. It just so happens that it's around the exact same time period here. It's a good thing. But, you know, cross-country racing, dude. This leads us into the whole cross-country racing thing. If only this yeah. movie were be were made by the directors comfortable with an R rating, we could have had a Death Race 2000-style <laughs> gore fest. 
But oh wait, we have the Wachowskis, but <laughs> they want to do a PG rated family movie. Like, dude, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just do the R rated version so I can see people getting cut in half with like scissor blades on cars <laughs> and shit. I want to see that. Or oh, dude. Just the guy with the manhole cover in Death Race 2000 where he comes out in order to see what's going on. He gets <laughs> run over. His head fucking explodes all over the sidewalk. Uh, that was great yeah. shit. And there's the one where he like drives on his body and like spins the tires on his body and you see all the blood spraying out. Yeah, <laughs> Kind of expecting that in this movie and made me think of it. I think Death Race 2000 was directly influenced by Speed Racer actually, <laughs> the cartoon show. And they're like, oh, you know, this would be pretty awesome but wait, wait, wait. uh get a hard r this is just reminding me of this other cartoon but what cartoon was it it was also in the 60s where it had like dick dastardly driving his car and there was like that hound and his human that would drive the car and they were like running away from dick dastardly what was that you know what i'm talking I don't know. about no fuck mm-hmm. man i thought you would have known <laughs> god damn it i thought you would have known this now it's gonna bother me yeah. damn it but you know he is reminded constantly by his dad that he shouldn't go into this cross-country thing that's where his brother died blah 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 blah. but one talk with his girlfriend in the rain is enough to for speed to go against his father's wishes he's got his principles man he's got his sprint his principles and uh he's got to abide by them. i don't know what those he's principles are the situation <laughs> he's got to make the money somehow so their whole family doesn't go bankrupt Right. So that's you know, why he does it. You know what the most ironic part of this movie is, to be honest with you, is the line that John Goodman says to his fat boy son when he walks in and finds him watching TV and he's like, Go out and get some exercise. And I'm like, Wow, <laughs> coming from you, John? Like, okay. So <laughs> this is this is a little side note here is that I have a friend that worked with John Goodman on Red State, right? The Kevin Smith movie that was sort of like a horror comedy about like extreme right wing Republican bullshit. But anyway, he was telling me that John Goodman in that movie, he was so large that he couldn't stand for more than 10 minutes without having to sit down because his knees were so fucked about being as overweight as he was. And I'm just like, God damn, dude. Like, that's a that's a fucking lot, man. I'm sorry. You know, I, I try to be accommodating <laughs> and shit like that. But I'm like, dude, if you're at that point, maybe you should consider a lifestyle change. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, this isn't this is. If he lost a bunch of weight, would he still be John Goodman? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I we've we've seen John over the years like balloon up and shrink down and balloon up and shrink down. And he the, the when he shrinks down, it's really weird because his head like kind of elongates. Yeah. And it's really kind of bizarre looking at him like that. But he's done it before, you know. And I'm just like, dude, just you know, keep the weight off, man. You know, I know it sucks and like it's probably really hard, but you know, fucking Star Jones did the stomach stapling thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> you there's ways around it, but that's just a whole other thing on its Zone. but when was red state filmed uh 2000 2006 or 2009 i think it's 2009 actually if i remember correctly yeah I, I could be misremembering i saw that movie once and i was pissed off because i fucking hate kevin smith with a fucking passion that's <laughs> just like god damn it they do this whole thing about like gabriel's horn like the biblical thing at the end about the cult and whatnot and i'm just like there's nothing about it that's like overly shocking when it comes to cults or overly interesting that it made me like it it was just sort of a movie that was there moving on uh, i 
What were you saying? I like a lot of the family scenes. I think it uh, helps characterize them and show this really strong bond <laughs> of the family. And it makes you care by the end, you know? Does it? Get really into I felt deeply invested when the end race comes. Speed's <laughs> just going out there to show everyone. But you know he's going to win. Go they can't make... Well, yeah, I mean... This isn't Rocky, dude. He's not going to lose the final <laughs> fight, you know what I mean? But they like put so many obstacles in his way during that final like race and like the pre-race part. I like those scenes a lot because it's he's like in the locker room and basically Royalton's like putting a hit out on him. He's like million bucks, anyone that takes out speed, and you could just like all of the drivers are like ready to kill him in the I, locker room. I get room that, but <laughs> I get that, but name like, me. Other than the the hook or whatever the fuck they call it that grabs him under the car, I don't remember any other traps being sent his way. Was there any other trap that was sent toward him? I mean, all of the drivers, like, right off the bat, try to crash into him right from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, but crashing race, into him is like different that. from, like, you know, a fucking <laughs> spear hook or whatever, you know? They had... My point yeah. is, is that one of the scenes before, they have, like, all their fucking, like, beehives, and, like, there's the Viking guy doing the Valhalla crash into him and all that other shit, but this, this like, last scene, they just try to ram him, you know? Like, it's nothing interesting. <laughs> Other than well, the see, that was, uh, I mean, the cross country rally race, they're talking about how that's the Wild West, but this is the, uh, this is the GT race. This is the Grand Prix. This has rules and shit. <laughs> rules, <know? laughs> yeah. As Speed Racer inexplicably leaps over another car. <laughs> the fuck is that's that? All, uh, that's within the rules. Everyone gets their like jumping stilts in the, in the GT race. Which but I you're don't... not allowed to have razor blades right. or... Which I'm not sure exactly how that's supposed to work with physics. Because like if you jam down hydraulic stilts going 300 miles an hour in order to try to jump (laughs) it doesn't work like that it's not gonna do that but i mean there's like so much downforce on the cars that it wouldn't even be able to lift off the ground (laughs) you could like you could take an f1 car and if you're going near full speed it will stick to the top of an inverted tunnel because there's just so much downforce generated but uh, so you know you have to ignore the aerodynamics (laughs) and the fact that he's doing these jumps that have like you know an inch of of wiggle room (laughs) at you know 300 miles an hour but you just have to accept the fact that speed racer is just that good and he can he can control his jumps right right right. whenever he wants he's an artist i i want to bring up for a second (laughs) i want to bring up this great 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 lines about (laughs) driving and you're like an artist with the paintbrush speed right just love watching you paint fuck off (laughs) so uh i want to bring up for a second about production design i want to complain about production design for a second like this whole movie is realized in like this technicolor mtv slow motion type bullshit right but there's this moment where they go to like that fountain where it memorializes all their dead and it like the fountain flows off in this little stream that hits the plaque with all the names on it and when they pan down it looks like this (laughs) like what the fuck (laughs) production design is important dude like who the fuck thought that was gonna sell and it would be okay (laughs) fucking ridiculous but 
Yeah. You know, uh, another thing about this movie that really drove me nuts was like they change uh, styles three quarters of the way through the movie. Previously, when cars collided, they exploded into flame. And then the, this time in the cross country race, when they explode, it's like technicolor rainbows that they're exploding into. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like if you want to show me that, show me that <laughs> the whole goddamn thing. Don't just change it in the middle of it. You know, like I said earlier about the, the racist Arab thing, that's snake oiler. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's an offensive Middle Eastern stereotype. Nice. Oh, they're snake. Even Middle Eastern, though. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's a snake I mean, charmer. It's... He's a snake charmer too, and a diamond dealer. Nice, great. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's great. Fuck, man. I mean, post nine eleven filmmaking in America is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> The, the Vikings like run all of the racing. Yeah. All of the people have their different, I mean, the Vikings, they get, they get bribed with furs. Yeah. They get hard <laughs> from furs. They like run up and start smearing it on their face. And I'm like, you know, I, again, I hadn't seen this movie up until this week, but like who could not have seen that Rex faked his own death? Like, Oh my God. <laughs> seriously it's supposed to be this big thing that we're supposed to feel for speed and everybody else but it's so goddamn obvious that racer X it is obvious Rex. but then they throw a curveball when racer x reveals his face to uh speed later in the movie oh my god he got plastic like, surgery oh, sure. because that's a huge fucking you're not, cliche too you're not rex oh shit and, he and then you're like oh i guess it's not rex. just some random dude yeah, he changed his sure voice I'm box and his fucking like cadence too sure yeah well, that's what you gotta do man secret agent yeah all that shit yeah sure yeah that's what it is. <laughs> and then they reveal at the end that it is rex i'm like oh, oh shit, shit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, dude, I want to bring this up. Chimps rip people's faces and tits off all the time. It would make this movie so much entertaining and much more entertaining in order to see the chimp rip the kid's face off. That would have been fucking great. Like, just peel that shit off like Hannibal Lecter. Show me that. I would love that. Especially if, especially if he ate it like Mason Verger afterward. You know? oh, like, I would dig that shit. No, dude, it's not it's not PG material game. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, quick little aside here. That is that is one of my all time favorite gore moments in any movie. Is in Hannibal when Mason Verger peels his face off with that piece of broken mirror and feeds it to the dogs, or Hannibal's feeding it to the dogs. I love that. Dude. <laughs> that movie's got so many moments in it that I totally dig. Like that. And eating yeah. Ray Liotta's brain. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, Hannibal. That's uh, pretty twisted. That's yeah. yeah, an enjoyable movie. That's a whole other episode, though. We could talk about something like that. Like, Red, <laughs> Red Dragon's a bad movie, dude. Like, that's a fucking bad movie, especially in comparison to the other two. But Hannibal is, like, the best that they could do with a fucking terrible book. And like, yeah. I have to say that, that book is god-awful. But I, I just... I. There's been no movie since then that has had a scene like that, like the brain eating scene that I was just like, whoa, like I haven't seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that since. And that's been 19 years since that movie, but whatever. Moving on. I have to rewatch it again oh, and again. Dude, I love it, man. <laughs> Get your kicks. I love it. Racer X, Racer X fight scene is finally Matrixy, right? Like there's the whole thing about the oh, yeah. getting in and like he beats him up and shit. Super it's kind of Matrixy. But killing the dude with a couch by squishing his legs up near his ears. I'm like, that doesn't kill people. I don't think anyone actually dies in this movie. Uh, it's about 
but he's he's fucked up and incapacitated more than he's actually been murdered. Incapacitated enough in order but, to stay behind the couch and not. Murder. No, that that fight scene though, it's if you watch the final fight scene between Neo and uh, what's his Mr. name, Smith. Mr. Smith, in the original Matrix, it has like the exact same moves and yeah. pacing, yeah. and even the score is practically the same. Yeah, but they didn't have. Uh, so it's like they didn't have Young Bo Ping. I think that's the name of the guy. The the, the fight coordinator yeah. on the original they didn't have him for this movie yeah they probably just were like yeah yeah let's Copied copy yep. we already we already know the moves let's just copy that yeah yeah that's for get sure a little, get a little nod to the matrix in because <laughs> it is uh it one is of our movies yeah sure being self-referential <laughs> isn't cool dude that's all i gotta say <laughs> but john goodman you know john goodman being bigger than the ninja i found to be incredibly racist because i'm like oh wow you know because chinese people are short stereotype like get the fuck out of here man i'm not into that well i mean john goodman what is he like six five or something he is yeah, a yeah, big I think he's man six two six three he's not right. six five he's a big man and he's got a wrestling ring in this uh, you know he does all his pro wrestling moves and you're like oh shit i mean he has a wrestling i didn't see that coming yeah they show like that's how they get away with uh john goodman beating up a trained killer because uh, right? you're like oh, oh right, right 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 he's pop he's like easy going nice right. gentle man but then they do a close-up of his like wrestling champ ring i do remember like i do remember oh. that. Yeah, yeah i do remember that i don't yeah, think that i so, drew you know. the the conclusion <laughs> that it was a wrestling champ championship ring but i figured that all ex-wrestlers just walked around with the belt all the time slung over their shoulder (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't you (laughs) pretty awesome speaking of actually you know that uh they're making a hulk hogan movie right now oh yeah they want chris pine to play young hulk hogan and i'm like (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) okay so this is just a little side detour for a second. The Photoshop image of Hulk Hogan's like mustache thing on Chris Pine. I see it, you know, with the bandana and everything. I see it. But I'm like, Chris Pine is like eight inches shorter than Hulk Hogan and significantly less body mass. So like, I'm not sure how this is going to work. Like, I don't know if they're going to do muscle suits or like visual effects. Because there's no way, there's CG. no way that fucking Chris Pine can tack on mass I mean, like they- they did it uh, in uh, Captain America, but oh, just dude. the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I can't wait to see side note about that sort of technologies. I can't wait to see Bill and Ted three because they have that oh, like no. that weird scene where they have <laughs> them in prison and they're all like muscled out and shit. <laughs> I can't wait. That movie's gonna be terrible, dude. I guarantee oh, you that God. that's gonna be a it contender. Looks so bad. <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to be a contender for this this podcast. Moving on for a second. Goddamn spinning the ninja as everyone watches in their head spin as well. Like, it's just fuck, man. Cartoons played by live action people look like shit. It doesn't work. You know, it's like that same thing with like the person where they run off the edge of the cliff like Looney Tunes and like they fall and their neck stretches and they got the sign help and then they fall. Like, dude, come on, man. I don't want to talk shit about Roger Rabbit because I love that movie, but there's quite a few moments in Roger Rabbit that don't work for me because the comedy is built upon stretching a real life human being in a way of a cartoon and it just looks off-putting it doesn't <laughs> make me feel like it's a cartoon it just feels really yeah. weird like a bizarre Terry Gilliam movie or some shit <laughs> anyway that kid asks quote where are you going because every racer has the same story except dad somehow that kid will race will race and go 
through the exact same thing, Speed Racer 2, coming soon in the year 2065. I'm not joking here when I said this, though, Ball, is that, like, his his older brother does this, walks out on his dad, and Speed Racer does the exact same thing. And I'm like, so how did dad avoid this if this is just what racers have to go through? Well, he's not a racer. He's a, he's an engineer mechanic guy. So. You don't think he knows how to drive? Uh, I mean, he can drive, but he's better at other things. I don't think the younger kid, I mean, it's obvious that Rex and uh, Speed are both uh, stuck in the same loop, right? But uh, I don't think the younger kid has any interest in uh, being a driver. Hmm. I think he wants candy more than anything else. (laughs) (laughs) So he'll probably be a crackhead later in life. Oh, absolutely, dude. He's going to be sucking dick in an alleyway for his crack money. No problem. I, I hope that the real life actor actually does that because fuck you, dude. <laughs> God damn it. All right. So anyway, moving on. The greatest the greatest visual feat in this movie is John Goodman running during the build mar- montage for the new Grand Prix car. I'm like, dude, God damn. Like watching him run, it was like alien as fuck, but I was just like, holy shit, look at that guy run. <laughs> This is really weird. I don't know why it was there. It was just kind of there. I want to move this on to it's very heteronormative of the Wachowskis to show mom making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, especially after they show she is able to weld and help build the car. Like that's the whole fucking thing is they do the little pan around shot and she lifts up her welding mask against mom. And it's like, Oh wow. Look, mom's helping build the car. Next shot. She's making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. (laughs) Wow. Thanks for that. I mean, they show that he, she's a good cook. She makes excellent pancakes. And so, And peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are really a way showing your culinary prowess is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, those are quick sandwiches. Uh, Everyone was on the go. She's the one who's considering the big picture in the family and trying to keep them healthy and alive and... She's the moderating force between the father and sons most of the time, trying to keep them from killing each other and <laughs> all of that. So, you know, she's she's recognizing that they need to eat right. or they're going to die. Right, so. right. <laughs> so this sandwich is reasonable. That's it. So this leads me to my sandwich beef of the week, people. So, Paul, there is a deli in the Bronx, okay? It's it's right by Silver Cup Studios North, and in the middle of an industrial wasteland park that has rapidly become scarce in the vast gentrification that is New York City, it sits there, right? It's the only deli of its kind in like a three-block radius, which is really unusual for New York. Even Red Hook, Brooklyn, which used to be a former shipping hub, has become full of small one- and two-family homes sandwiched between former shipping and receiving warehouses, which which is kind of cool and kind of interesting. Yeah. This deli had only one major income source prior to the studios moving in. And that's that right across the street was a heating oil refinery plant that every day there were 200 employees were right across the street from a deli that was obviously built in the 1980s in the Bronx off of 138th street. Everything is exactly the same. I guarantee (laughs) you that the tiles that are hanging above your head are asbestos, but that's besides the point. This deli has the usual fare that 
that you would expect in the sort of in-between sandwich shop slash deli, right? It's not quite a diner and it's not quite a roadside deli you'd find in New York. I did a TV show some years ago called The Looming Tower for Hulu. We were the first project TV or otherwise to be in that studio. And it would be, we had to spend 14 weeks just building the rigging before we even started building the sets because everything was brand new. Nothing was in there. So every day we would go over to this little deli. This deli, I had tried everything on their menu at least twice by this point, right? So one day, one day, me and some dudes walked over to eat lunch and I ordered my fast favorite on the menu, which is the turkey club sandwich, right? I love turkey clubs, turkey, yeah, toasted bread, good. bacon, you know, like I'm in, man. I'm, I'm good with that. Cheese. I throw some avocado in there too. Fuck you, avocado. (laughs) (laughs) Spent too much time in California, apparently. Yeah, obviously, dude. Bacon and avocado, man, that is a combination right down by the gods here. (laughs) Dude, I'm not debating it, bro. I'm just saying I don't want avocado on my turkey club. I'll take avocado on a BLT, but like I don't want it on my my turkey club. (laughs) The 60-something-year-old owner-operator ran over to our table to take our order, which was really common with him. He would run around like a fuck maniac throughout this tiny little deli and i'm like dude you're not even that busy like why the fuck are you running you're gonna trip and break a hip or like land into the counter yeah. or, like snap your neck or whatever like and i'm gonna have to no, stay talking healthy, to the man. cops you know, longevity right for there. sure do a little jogging all the time <laughs> every day <laughs> But he stopped by our table and he asked for our orders. When he got to me, I ordered the same thing I had ordered 10 or 15 times before, the turkey club. And, you know, I I thought that was just it. You know, I say I want a turkey club with fries. And he says, he asks me for the first time ever, after all this time, what kind of cheese did I want on the turkey club? After so many times ordering the same thing for so long, I decided to ask for cheddar. To which he replied, quote, you're in the wrong neighborhood for cheddar. (laughs) And you know what, dude? What does that even mean? <laughs> you know what? This is the thing is I just looked up with wide eyes and I didn't even mean to be a dick when I said it. But I said, what? They don't have cheddar in the Bronx? <laughs> and I, I swear to God, this motherfucker like eyeballed me like he was going to slip my throat. And then he ran off and I know that he spit my food. I literally did not eat my sandwich that day because I was worried he spit my food. But, but I really didn't mean to be a dick, dude. It just popped out. Like, I didn't know what happened. But this this is to say, if you offer me cheese and you ask me what I want, I didn't ask for Gruyere with jam or any of that fancy shit, bougie, whatnot cheese. I asked for cheddar, man. A really fucking common cheese that you can get anywhere. So fuck you, dude. Don't ask if you're a tortoise to treat me like shit. That's my sandwich beef for this week. Fuck you. What was the typical cheese? Uh, like, it was it was American. It was either American uh, or you could get. Right. They did have Swiss on the menu, so I knew that that was an option too. Uh, That's why I asked if he had cheddar because I'm like, it's American, Swiss, and cheddar. Every deli in New York has that shit, and right, usually right. they have provolone as well. So I thought, oh, maybe a provolone. You know, they got they got a fucking meatball sub. They should be able to get me some provolone. But right? Whatever. Shit, shit dude. What the fuck? <laughs> 
But anyway, so let's get back to this movie for a second, bro. This comes straight into the hack attack of the movie for me, okay? Hack attack of this movie is Speed Racer is revealed to be the 40th car, right? But before he is revealed and before the goddamn announcement starts, the commentator opposite Richard Roundtree states, wait, 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 there's an announcement. And then the announcement starts. And I'm like, okay. So he waits a full second after he says there's an announcement and then the announcement starts and I'm like dude what the fuck like this is such a simple thing his reaction to me says that something interrupted his train of thought which would maybe be I don't know a surprise announcement about the 40th racer but this is such a fucking <laughs> stupid little editing thing that I'm just like god damn it like this is some hack filmmaking fuck you <laughs> I digress. That's some good tension building right there. No, dude. Just build up the tension. Deflates it. Oh, shit. There's an announcement about an announcement. Oh, shit. Just deflates it like Lance Armstrong's (laughs) missing testicle. Man, it's not there. It's just flat now. What? Is it too soon to make Wouldn't you get like an implant? No, I mean, he's a piece of shit, obviously. (laughs) uh... I think he does have an implant, actually. All I know is that his wife, I think he was married to Cheryl Crow at the time, the country singer. She left him because he had cancer. She couldn't take it. And she left. And I was like, you are the worst fucking type of scumbag in the world is those people like John Edwards, the fucking senator that left his wife when she was sick with cancer or this fucking bitch that left her husband when he was sick with cancer. I'm like, wow, great people. I hope you rot in hell, you fucking pieces yeah. of shit. I guess my biggest problem with Lance Armstrong is you like feel sorry for him and then you're like oh man look at look at how he pulled through but his whole cancer thing is because he was injecting so many steroids <laughs> and uh and all of it was deserved yeah motherfucker fuck him motherfucker. dude Fuck him, dude. Fuck Lance Armstrong. I hope he dies alone, riddled with ball cancer and prostate cancer. Fuck you, you piece of shit. I hope you get dick cancer, motherfucker. Like, you lied to so many people. Well, why don't we back up a little bit? One, just give him one kind of cancer, okay? Like, All right. don't, don't put three Prost- types. Prostate cancer, then. Fuck you. I hope you can't pee, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Let's move back to this movie for a second. And after the climactic race, Paul, Speed Racer gains a ton nearing the leaders, right? He gets like shut down by the fucking grapple hook or whatever. And then we're like, oh my God, how is he going to start this? And then they go on that whole thing with John Goodman about, oh, he needs to start it in fifth. And Susan Sarandon's <laughs> like, does he know that? He starts like, finally, he listens to the car. But there's no- the car is dead, okay, motherfucker? <laughs> so like there's Silence. the whole thing about like race car drivers listening to their car that's a real thing but it's when the cars are moving but like to sit there with a car that's dead silent dead stick (laughs) and be like let me listen to the car now even though i haven't listened to the car the whole fucking movie i'm gonna do it now when the car is dead he just happens to know oh shifted into fifth you know what for that matter dude it's a fucking standard how many people do you know (laughs) that have driven standards and know how to drive it know that oh if the ignition ignition isn't working maybe i should pop it in gear and lift the clutch when it's moving you know like the car is dead anyway how is the clutch gonna spin for christ's sake it's not moving it was a a spiritual moment he had to listen to the car spiritually it wasn't just just about like audio listening it was (laughs) this this (laughs) moment dude I want to get to this in a second, but I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, yeah, no, it's more about spirituality than, uh, and kind of a matrix, you know, listen to the matrix moment than like actually literally listening. <laughs> yeah, he does close yeah. his eyes and fondle the joystick. Yeah, see, so. see, 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 yeah. He connected with the car. 
Oh, I connected with something when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> but what could possibly happen, Paul? Could a last-minute underhanded tactic seemingly take Speed Racer out of the race only to have him come back to a win? <laughs> I don't know. Where the fuck is this scene going? I, I, this is a real mystery to me on whether this could actually happen. Oh, there it is, the spear hook. The fucking spear hook comes out. <laughs> And, oh, no, his car is broken. What can he do? He, want, he won't come back. Blah, 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 blah. But the end of the race recap to remind everyone of the wisdom doled out on the lead over the entire fucking movie. Like, this is a five-minute remembering sequence <laughs> that didn't need to exist. It's part of the reason why this movie is so long, but whatever. <laughs> you know, Speed Racer comes back and he races ahead of everybody else and blah, 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 blah. But then this is what we were talking about earlier, Paul, is that he goes plaid, motherfucker. A Spaceballs <laughs> reference, if I've ever seen one. Like, was that was that intentional or is that like a thing in the TV show that like, you know, the tunnel vision and it goes plaid like the checkered flag or whatever? I don't remember tunnel vision, but they like all the intros have the background is that racing checkered, uh, checkered flag. pattern. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably what he's referenced to. Mm. He was uh, getting close to the <laughs> finish line there. And- goes plaid (laughs) (laughs) that really bothered me actually i thought it was funny more than anything i started laughing and i was just like i don't know if they meant to make a reference to space balls but that's literally (laughs) all i could think of immediately when i saw it but then you know we get we get to the everyone cheers epilogue and bad guy gets upset it's like oh as if i didn't (laughs) know where this this fucking movie was going but oh my god driver x is rex who saw that fucking coming oh right everyone saw that coming get the fuck out of here dude Also, you know, quick, quick question here, bro. Like, where did Rex get the body that he burned to take the place of his body in the fucking death that he, like, faked? He blows up the car. We see him do that. But they talk about that there's a body that was charred beyond recognition. Where did he get that body? Did he just, like, kill some random male prostitute and leave it in the fucking driver's seat? Because that's a whole nother movie that I want to (laughs) see. Which is Speed Racer, or I'm sorry, Racer X picking up fucking male prostitutes and killing them. I would pay good money to see that shit, actually. That sounds pretty dope. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Truffle Shuffle and the Chimp have to be on stage for the ending because this movie couldn't get any more fucking annoying. And we just need that scene of them jumping around like fucking morons. But the kid has to give a cootie warning that breaks the fourth wall because we need even more annoying kid bullshit about breaking the fourth wall. Since when do the fucking Wachowski sisters or brothers break the fourth wall ever? But the kid's super annoying in the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Just fucking hate the kid, dude. Children, children are annoying. You know, what are you going to do? And a kid friendly, quote unquote, funny monkey driven end title sequence with a catchy pop song (laughs) just in case we didn't have enough annoying shit that already happened we need to sit through five minutes of the monkey dancing around in this mtv fucking peyote fueled bullshit sequence for the end roll credits but dude seriously fuck you wachowskis you do the matrix and then this you know what we really need in this world paul Uh, right now a fourth Matrix movie because we need to beat a dead horse. I'm glad that they aren't actually... Oh, wait. God damn it. They're making another one. Fuck. Objectively. Okay, I'm going to ask you an objective question. 
this movie, like you, you are 35, right? Right. So 35 year old man, you're about to become a father. <laughs> Do you see yourself going back to this in 10 years and being like, you know what I haven't seen in a while is Speed Racer. I need to watch that movie again. I think it'll stick with me uh, just because it's a movie that is genuine and it's not cynical in any way. <laughs> so... <laughs> you can just enjoy it for a warm happy fuzzy feeling inside instead of trying to get some cerebral experience out of it or so, you know intellectual experience you, you know you say a warm fuzzy feeling you know what's another warm fuzzy feeling paul <laughs> taking a shit and you feel so much better when it's all over because it's over with and you can move on with your life oh, and that's what this movie is i had a bunch of uh salsa yesterday some uh, you can blank it out if if you want but sadie's salsa which i hadn't <laughs> had in a long time and man yeah. that, that hasn't been fun for the past couple days like <laughs> my sphincter is letting out man it just can't, can't handle that kind of spice dude i i like sadie's a lot man there's something oh, about yeah. like the no. salt content of that salsa yeah. that's like totally dope no, but i will i will say gets me a fix for sure but uh yeah. my digestive system just it's not 20 <laughs> anymore yeah <laughs> can't handle that dude I, I will say that like my other favorite salsa from new mexico is uh gilly loco salsa i love that shit <laughs> If anyone, if anybody wants to be kind to me from New Mexico and send me some Gilly Loco salsa, I am running out. So get on the fucking oh internet and send me this about shit. Dude, I'm down to my last Ziploc bag of green chili. Ah, oh, dude. Like one, what the fuck, man? One last one. Well, I mean, you got to eat it at some yeah, point. Yeah, I know, but call your sisters and tell them to send you that <laughs> Like, dude, it's August, man. It's chili roasting season right yeah, now. I like to wait it's until September because that's when the kind of Socorro and Belen stuff comes out. I like that more yeah. than Hatch. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Longer. Dude, I always wait until September or October because uh, Dugan, or I'm sorry, not Dugan, five-star chili out of Deming, New Mexico. They're the mm. ones that have that triple extra hot that I like, those small peppers. <laughs> yeah. Those shits are dope, dude. That shit burns my mouth every time. I swear <laughs> to God. I swear to God that they're hotter than habaneros, dude. Like, they're fucking they're really hot. super hot. I remember it's, we went camping and you had like one of those on like a sausage. You could, I don't even think you could finish it, man. It's kind of it's kind of sad. It's hot, dude. It's hot. <laughs> hot, man. I was like, uh, you know, green chili averages like twenty to fifty thousand, depending on what kind of green chili you got. I mean, you can get like the five thousand mild type shit, but it's like twenty to fifty thousand is pretty average for hot. But I swear to God, man, those things were over a hundred, and that's it's very possible. I mean, if green chili is averaging fifty thousand, and a habanero on the low yeah. end is a hundred thousand, you could do that pretty easily if you just torture the pepper mm, a little yeah. bit longer. And uh, selective breeding too. You get your own. I mean, I don't <laughs> even know how many different strains of New Mexico green there are now. But uh, no, man, I don't. I don't even think New Mexico agriculture even tracks that shit. To be honest with you, because yeah. it's like people just do what they want it's not like they have to worry about like invasive species or any shit like that you know yeah. i don't know but anyway everyone that is speed racer 2008 the wachowski brothers back when they were the brothers again not the sisters i fucking hate this movie dude like <laughs> this is one of those movies that i i will get up in arms every time when somebody talks about this because i fucking hate this goddamn movie like i think maybe that's why i picked this movie just because you knew just it would piss me off. off i know i know 
I know, dude. You love pissing me off. You've always uh, been that way as long as I've yeah. known you. I think it's because you want to see me have a goddamn heart attack by the time <laughs> that I'm uh, All right. So anyway, Paul, next week, dude, you know, the tax collector comes out tomorrow on streaming platforms. And to be honest with you, I want to attack David Ayer with everything in my body because yeah, like, yeah. David has pissed me off for so many years and it drives me insane that he's still in the fucking film industry. I want to see it, man. I do. I want to yeah, see Shia LaBeouf ham it up. <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf actually got real tattoos across his entire torso in order to prepare for the role that he was was gonna play in david ayer's movie it's hardcore man wait didn't he also write training day yeah he wrote training day okay there you go there you go so there's this yeah other but i'm white, saying white boy cop in east la so yeah but that's what he's been writing on since that movie and it's literally been 19 years since training day and i'm like how many fucking movies do we need of this same bullshit? <laughs> maybe he has this huge stack of scripts that are like these different it's, it's like oh i wrote a care bears movie and it's really good and <laughs> brings it to the studio and like wait don't you have like a cop in east la movie and he's like yes <laughs> jesus God, let me pull one from the stack fucking guy dude if there was an r-rated care bears movie <laughs> sunshine bear started saying some racist yeah. shit about koreans <laughs> I, I would pay good money to see that i'm not gonna lie seriously yeah, i would pay this good. good money to see that <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary people and everyone, that is Speed Racer 2008. Once again, thank you for joining us. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schindel, y'all. Do not bring back y'all, you motherfucker. <laughs> God damn it. Once again, good night, guys. Thank you.